Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today we're talking all about colleges and universities within the industry, and I could not think of anyone better to talk to than Kate Winslow. Welcome, Kate, to the show. Hello, thank you very much for having me. No, it's really great to have you on. Now, if you want to introduce to all our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you come from, and what title you hold. Yeah, so my name is Kate Winslow, um, and I've got a bit of a long title, so I'm an FE Animal Management Lecturer, and also a Teaching and Learning Coach um, at Sparshalt College, um, which probably a lot of your listeners have heard of, or have been touched base with at some point in in their careers. So yes, I've been working there roughly, well, I'm in my eighth teaching year now, which is hard to believe. I've been there for for quite a while. Amazing. Now, obviously, as you've touched on, it's one of the most recognised zoo colleges slash universities out there. With regards to eight years, that is quite a long time in the scheme of things but obviously with all of our journeys they don't simply start at where we think they start there's always a journey there's always stories to be told along the way where did it all begin how have you got to where you are and and do you have those stepping stones yeah so my background is a little strange and a little varied so I started off typical thing I always wanted to work with animals just didn't know what field I wanted to go into thought about being a vet for a while and things like that but when I was doing my A-levels I was chosen to do a bursary at my local aquarium so that was Hastings Aquarium and it was for the students that like science and essentially we were ported through doing kind of an investigative project so my project was to observe feeding behavior in seahorses I'm sure you know but seahorses don't really do very much in between so in between studying the seahorses I helped out around the aquarium and I just completely fell in love with working with fish I love the kind of the science behind it the water chemistry the technical elements and I just kind of thought that fish were a little bit underrated and not um, considered kind of the same way as some of the more kind of fluffy or feathery uh, counterparts so I really really enjoyed doing that and decided that was kind of the field I wanted to go into so while I was studying for my A-levels I was volunteering at the aquarium one day a week just to build up those skills that are super super important uh, as you know and once I did that I then kind of went to university so I went and studied a foundation degree in animal science at Plumpton College Uh, I really wanted to get a qualification that had uh, practical elements to it as well as that academic side of it because I fully appreciate that both are quite important so studied for that still volunteering at the aquarium I did my top up year in biological sciences because I wanted my degree to be quite broad still just just in case I'd heard about how tricky it was to get into working with zoos and aquariums I knew how difficult that would be so I wanted to give myself some options so did my top up in, in biological sciences after that I managed to get the job at the aquarium and I really enjoyed it, it was an accuracy there but also helping out in marketing and duty managing and all, and all sorts of things but I kind of wanted to grow I wanted to grow my experience I wanted to just fully work with the fish so from there I moved to Weymouth Sea Life Centre and that was a really great opportunity I really got to develop loads of extra skills working with otters penguins turtles that kind of thing so really enjoyed working working there and, and learned a lot but I do like to progress and like to move on um, and kind of work up the ladder if I can. So after that, I moved and became a senior accurist at um, what was known as Displays Development and then was called Maud. Um, It had gone through, I think, many, many changes, but essentially it was still in Weymouth, but it was the quarantine for all the sea lifes in Europe. So we dealt with a lot of fish coming through there. And my specialty there was the native fish, but also the elasmobranchs, so the rays and the sharks. Really developed a passion for those types of animals, octopus and things like that as well. And I really 
uh, started to grow in things like training and enrichment. Uh, those are two passions of mine that I think get underestimated again with the kind of aquatic creatures, but can really be good tools to use um, working with those. So I worked there for, for a while, really enjoyed that, gained again a lot of knowledge, worked with a lot of fantastic people. But then I decided to change a bit and became a tiger keeper, which is a bit strange. So I moved to Colchester Zoo and became part of the tiger section. So Colchester is a is a zoo where you work on an area of the zoo rather than a particular taxa. So I was the tiger on the tiger section, but we had hippos, wolves, deer pigs, you know, monkeys, patus monkeys, vultures, um, and fish. So the reason I was able to move into that role was because they wanted someone with fish experience because they're a little bit harder to come across I feel and I was able to move into that so I always tell my students there's two things you need to know about me crazy fish lady and crazy cat lady so it was my perfect kind of role so I really enjoyed that love working with the big cats move my way up to deputy head of section you know and your listeners will know the further up the more you start working with people the less potentially working with animals so I kind of got as far as managing people as I'd wanted to go but also my goals in life started to shift and I started to move towards things like wanting to buy a house potentially having a family as, as has been mentioned to many of your podcasts about the financial side of things so I decided to give teaching a go so I moved down to Sparshall where I was actually a technician on the paddocks and then the exotic mammals team but I was also lecturing in fish because there's a little bit of a pattern they wanted someone that knew about aquatic species and fish because again not many people were knowing about that so I thought I'd give that a go and started lecturing and I was very surprised because growing up I did not want to be a teacher and for a lot of the teachers that are in these these roles that's not that wasn't our dream that was never our dream but I really fell in love with teaching and I fell in love with talking to animal people about animals all day it's very weird when you come out of that and you're talking to non-animal people I don't understand it anymore but I really enjoyed sharing real life knowledge with my learners and yeah just just seeing that passion and and talking about animals and, and fun things all day so eventually I then moved into lecturing full-time was have been doing that for I believe around five years during the lockdown pandemic teaching obviously was a very interesting um time we were teaching from home and learning all all new skills again lots of new skills coming through there but our college also developed a role of teaching and learning coach um, and these coaches are people that have been teaching for a while that are able to help support new staff staff that want to grow their own practice and develop so um I became a teaching and learning coach as well so I get to kind of follow my passion of talking about animals all day to animal people um, and then I also get to help kind of peer assess and peer review and work together with people to develop teaching practices because I think whatever role we're in there's always space to grow and develop and I think that teaching and coach role is really a part of that and yeah that's that's brought us up to where I am today. Absolutely amazing what I love about all of these episodes so far is everyone's starting point in their career now you did allude to it at the very beginning you said you always loved animals do you remember i'm gonna ask for the very first one though do you remember that first memory what was that first moment that everyone has i guess that that little spur whether it be something they saw on tv uh, a zoo they went to an animal they saw simply just simply it was just there did you have that first memory? It may be obviously a little controversial now, but each of their own. But when I was younger, I was lucky enough to be taken on holiday to America with my family. And we went and visited SeaWorld and watching those large beautiful animals just seeing those in captivity I think particularly for me it was the manatees actually and hearing about the manatees and their story and that really impacted me about these really weird odd looking but beautiful was it just like sausages don't they just in, in the water but the beautiful animals that were having these issues in the wild and that kind of really stuck with me and then I came home and and from that I just knew that working with animals was just something I wanted to do and the more you learn 
especially at that young age, the more you learn about the difficulties these animals are facing, I think the more that sticks with you as you grow and wanting to make that difference. And I think working with animals was always, always the goal. It was just which field I was going to eventually fall into and then run from there really absolutely cracking now you've talked through all your experiences and and very much open to new experiences with the change from aquatic to tigers and wolves and all sorts but obviously the the main thing that we all get asked you know even keepers who are moving from job to job in the industry through to students is getting your foot in the door it's one of the hardest things in this industry because of how in demand the roles are do you have top tips i'm gonna ask for free but do you have any top tips for cv building and and making yourself hopefully presentable to be in that door yeah I think trying as as much as you can really is really important when I say to my students they say oh I really want to do this job you're like brilliant go out and give it a go ask if you can volunteer somewhere give it a try because actually the job may not be what you want it to be you want to find that out now before you head down the road but also those employers want to know that you know what you're getting yourself into so those kind of work placements anything you can do you know when I was at university I um, did a placement at a wildlife rescue center you know working at a wildlife rescue center wasn't something I'd ever thought about doing but the skills and the knowledge I gained from just a month of being there were just incredible and the people that you're working with and their knowledge and skills I think every opportunity should be taken in a way that you can definitely get something out of it whether that's from the people or the skills or the experience that you're gaining so I think making sure that you're getting as much variety of experience as you can and even things like you know my part-time job when I was at college was working at Burger King we all start in roles like that don't we to fund our to fund our dreams but the customer service skills and the patient skills and all of those kinds of things that you have to learn with jobs like that are still really applicable to any job role. It's just kind of what you make of it. So I would definitely say number one is, is getting as much experience and variety of experience and taking those nuggets from those jobs that, that you can and, and, and building forward with that. I think there is positivity in, in every role. I think on your CV, just making sure that you stick to the point of everything. You know, my CV still, yes, potentially has Burger King mentioned on it with a little bit, but my more important roles, are the roles that I've on further down the line so making sure that you do that and I think tailoring your cover letter to each role is really really important when you get job applications come through it's very clear if someone's just literally posted up 10 or 15 of them and just dotted them around everywhere yes your cv might be the same the information will be the same but that cover letter is where you really get to shine and show that you've done your research on the position and the place that you're working in and where you want to go and that you've researched where you're going and you fully understand what you're getting yourself into because the last thing all these employers want is to hire somebody and get a month or two months down the line all the time effort and energy and training them and then they realize this wasn't what they wanted to do in the first place and you know sometimes that happens but being forewarned is forearmed I think and just making sure that you prepare yourself uh, as much as possible I think that's really important Uh, you know going back to the serious stuff a bit of advice for the day we all need it we all need those words of wisdom those little gems to carry us along for anyone listening do, do you have anything maybe from your journey it's such an amazing industry and a tricky industry because of the quantity of applicants and things that you have but I think it's definitely what you put into it will be what you can get out of it and I get asked this question a lot from parents parents in particular you know open days and things like that that we have at the college and their child wants to be a zookeeper and they want to know exactly 
what steps A, B, C and D they can do to become a zookeeper. And I have to very much explain, you know, it's, it's really not like that, as if there would be this lovely direct route to get you to where you need to go. I think every step is a step forward. It just depends on the path that you want to take. So I think building knowledge, building contacts, going to as many kind of symposiums, the Abwax Symposium, for example, the National Aquarium Conference that we run recently, things like that are really, really important. Learning from everybody that you speak to and being professional as much as you can to everybody that you speak to. I think sometimes it can be forgotten that everyone you speak to may know somebody that knows somebody that you're trying to get into a job to. And if you've treated them poorly in the past, there's every possibility that can come and and get you later on so I think always just trying your best learning from everybody around you trying as much as you can taking the positives from everything that you're doing and just using that to to build yourself to be as as open to everything as you can be sometimes my students you know they're not very interested in fish potentially but I explain to them if you can learn about fish and learn about water quality and you don't know where that could take you and you you know you love reptiles brilliant they have water quite often you love birds you love penguins they have filtration you never know what knowledge you're going to take from where it might help you out so I think just taking as much as you can from everything building it together and just trying to make yourself as well-rounded and open to opportunity as you can particularly in the build in the beginning when you're trying to build yourself up to become the keeper that you want to be you know you've touched on all of that amazingly well with creating a path for the industry you've got so many paths as you've alluded to it's not just one route you've now got the apprenticeship schemes all across the country through to obviously courses at the likes of spa show and and even just simply going straight into the industry and and just working hard do you have i mean you've alluded to that there isn't just one route but if you were to say to create a pathway for the the generic keeper rather than the unique situations what would you suggest that age-old question isn't it between experience and and qualifications and obviously at Sparshot we are we have the National Zoo Academy we have all the DIMSA we have apprenticeships we have foundation degrees that are zoo based as well which are fantastic when I'm talking to learners in particular that want that path to go down I give I ask them and tell them you know think about your options think about what you're doing if you want to go straight into zookeeping you know when you graduate with us in our on our level three so on our FE because everyone has to be obviously in education until they're 18 once you finish with us you know try and get a job give yourself that time if you aren't able to get a job why don't you do a degree while you're waiting or a foundation degree that's the two years and then at least you've got a qualification while you're trying to find those jobs or trying to get those apprenticeships if, if you can I think giving yourself the chance to find things is, is really great but also giving yourself backup options as well can be really really beneficial and for those that are worried about education or don't think it's for them a foundation degree can have lower entry requirements but it's the first two years of a degree a normal honours degree so and quite often they can be that bit more experience um, and uh, practical based which can be very beneficial so that's kind of the route I took and often with your top-up year you can almost do like a pick a mix degree where you pick where which top-up year you want to do and where you want to do it so that can be really brilliant of building a unique degree for yourself but in the meantime you know try and get those jobs just making yourself as employable as possible you know we are the largest i believe at least if not the largest but one of the largest sitting gills animal management cohorts in the country we have around 600 students on our animal management course you know we're very large not all of them want to be zookeepers but there are not jobs for all of those learners but there are excellent learners out there that will try and will do their best and will get those job roles i always say to them you can get to wherever you want to go 
it's just sometimes your path isn't the straightforward one sometimes you have to go around a little bit sometimes you have to do something completely different and come back to it but you can get where you need to go if you work hard enough and you put the dedication into it and you go around those routes as best as you can could not agree more and I guess the last bit before we move on is once you've got in that door and you've got your interview that's a whole different realm because zookeeping is not your normal interview you know do you wear a suit do you not you know we all know that it's more of a you know, the, the stereotypical poo picking role, you know, through to what exactly, you know, is it formal? Is it not formal? What are the top tips behind presenting yourself in person in the best way moving forwards to hopefully get that star and that dream role? This is a tricky one. And and with all my job roles, I've obviously been through a, a fair amount of different interview processes and, and seen interesting things. And I quite often will go for interviews as well just to keep up with practice because a lot of it is practice and learning how to put yourself across in a positive way um, and those nerves as well if we're animal people sometimes the people side of it can be a bit tricky so it's dealing with those nerves I think practice and practice on your friends practice those common interview questions you can google those I get my students to practice them on each other as well when it comes to kind of what to dress in I would always go smart because I've had it before where I've had interviews and they've said dress suitable for the role. You think, well, being suitable for the role is literally my cargo trousers and a top covered in, you know, all sorts. So quite often I'll dress smart because you want to make that good first impression. But what I will do is I'll ask the the company I'm interviewing for, is there going to be a practical element of my day? Because if there is, and quite often there is, then you will just take practical gear with you and just have that ready to go. But I think dressing smartly shows that you're taking it seriously, that you are really wanting this role that you know how to present yourself as well because yes a lot of a zookeeping and an accurate role is getting stuck in and getting messy but also you don't you do have to go to conferences or you do have to you know have important people come to your collections or you do have to present yourself in a, in a positive way sometimes so I think places will want to see that from you too so yeah I would say dress smartly but maybe take a practical bit of gear just in case or ask them if there's going to be a practical element as, as most of the job interviews I, I have been to have had but I will also say always wear something to, that stands out so um, when I first started kind of going for these roles my wonderful ex-housemate gave me a red smart shirt and I think so many people go dressed in black and white but wearing a bit of red I think helps make you stand out so just wear something a little different I quite often have an animal scarf of some kind sorry and that helps a little starting points something to talk about um even now for my students i have a lanyard but i have lots of different animal pin badges on it and sometimes if they're feeling a little nervous it gives them a a talking point to talk to me about so having something like that i think can help get that conversation going it's really important to be honest in your interviews you know sometimes there are things you, you maybe don't want to talk about but don't hide them just explain things in as much of a positive fashion as possible and something that I've always done and always take to my interviews with me is I always take a portfolio of work Um, and obviously a lot of what we do is practical anyone that's worked with me will know I love spreadsheets and I love organization so I've made a lot of spreadsheets in my time so I'll tailor my portfolio but I'll take with me um, spreadsheets species guides that I've made shaping plans for training that I've made enrichment items photos of things that I've done with the animals and obviously tailoring it to the to the role you know when I was moving into teaching I had things in there such as talks that I'd written to give to the members of the public and things but having a portfolio that you build as you go will really really set you apart because I've often been told I was the only person to bring a portfolio with me to an interview it can really highlight your strengths at my current job actually when I interviewed for it they asked to keep my portfolio for a while so they could have a look through it and then I I got it back obviously once I once I got there and got the job but I think it just shows that you are prepared you're really showing off you know that's such a short window in interview 
to show off all your best bits, you know, your highlights of who you are and having a, a portfolio with you just really kind of helps that. And it's, you never, if you're nervous about when to bring that, bring the portfolio out, you know, at the end of the interview where it says, okay, do you have anything else you'd like to ask us? Or is there anything else you'd like to say? That's when I say, oh, um, just, you know, I've just bought a portfolio with me just with a few bits of that I've done in my previous collections or stuff that I've been working on, just so you can get a bit of a flavor of, of things that I'm able to do. You know, I can leave this with you or feel free to have a look through now and ask me any questions about it. And and generally that does go down quite well. It just shows that you've really taken the time and effort and energy to take this interview very seriously. Yeah, some really great stuff. I've never done that before. So I'm going to steal that if I ever need another job, but uh, hopefully I won't. But <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah, some really, really great words there. And that leads us to the big questions. Now, it's a part of this episode where we dive into some of the larger questions within this industry and try and find a few answers along the way. So Kate, let's give it a go. Let's go in for number one. Uh, and number one is quite a, a generic question. And that is, do you think that there's a jump between you know students and the industry that is larger than it should be and i guess uh, is there a need for a stronger bond within the industry but between students colleges universities and the zoos and the wildlife parks across the country i definitely do think there is a jump and i think that bond could be worked on because i think we both really need to be benefiting from each other we want to provide the best learning opportunity for our students we're all very passionate about what we what we do you know just because we've moved from animal keeping to working with students doesn't mean that we've lost our passion for what we're doing so i think it's it's really important for for that point view but also it's really important for these collections that the applicants they're getting for these lower you know entry level job roles are suitable and a lot of them will come from education or come from colleges so it's really important that we do get those strong links because we both need to to feed into each other and I think there is an issue at the moment with entry level keepers just not quite being exactly what what is needed Um, I think in in the aquariums in particular there's a bit of a struggle hiring entry level accurates that are suitable and I think that that bond really needs to be needs to be strong and needs to be worked on I think as lecturers we're interesting because like I say we didn't grow up wanting to be lecturers we we moved into it through industry but actually what it means is we're almost expected to have two careers because the longer I'm a lecturer the less relevant I become because I'm not a keeper anymore I'm not an accurist anymore so I work really hard to make sure that I stay up to date with the industry so I, I visit zoos a lot I, I go to symposiums um, I'm on the the Arza Aquarium Working Group Committee so I work very hard to stay in touch with that and we we do things like organize the Aquarium Conference National Aquarium Conference I think it's really important that that those links links are there so that we are teaching students what's the most relevant and up-to-date things in, in the industry that takes effort from both sides it takes us taking that extra time to make sure that we are staying up to date with the industry that we are teaching about but it also takes the collections being open to having us and to spending time with us or communicating with us before I went on my maternity leave I was every summer as we get a little bit of a summer break as teachers not the whole summer but we do get a bit of a summer break I would go back to my old collections and I'd spend a week or so just being a work experience again just to keep myself up to date keep myself relevant and to be honest spend a bit of time around animals again because um, (laughs) you just need to get back and being with them so things like that are, are really important working with the examiner bodies I think is is really beneficial too I work with sitting gills I do bits and pieces on the side for them you know marking exams and helping them create their papers and things like that and that's helpful they find it helpful as well for my input as being someone in the industry that can help shape it we have our syllabus and yes there are things that we definitely have to hit and meet but we can 
have our input on what it is like but my students will always say to me the the way that helps them learn is when I teach them using real life experience and real life points to to highlight what I'm talking about you know when I'm talking about escape drills for example I tell them about the drills that I've done and you know running around with a broom and 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 things like that you know it's, it's important that they get those those real life experiences I work with local collections as well to um, work on specialist projects or our kind of mini dissertation almost. I've worked with local collections to help set students up on projects at these collections. So I've been working with Longley and Paltons and um, we've been working with Bournemouth Oceanarium as well. And there's other collections that we're hoping to work with in the next academic year. And that works both ways because it helps our students get a little step in the door, get their faces in there, get their names heard, get to know people. But also it's great for the, for the collections because, you know, hitting that big research role of the modern zoo, zoo licensing, it can really help support the collections with getting that when their own keepers and accurists might not have the time to do so. But it is labour intensive. It's making sure you set them up correctly, making sure the communication between us and the sites goes well, making sure that you put the right student in the right position because obviously we want to make sure that they're being reliable and they're giving that good impression because we want them to have the best chance with it and we want to keep these relationships with the collections going really really strong so waffling a little bit there but I think I think these bonds are really important and will really help the sites and and the collections get these good entry level that that will just grow and grow and grow but yeah it does take a lot of effort on the side of the, the teaching staff and being such a big college we're very lucky you know I get to teach the units that I'm really passionate about I get to teach the zoo unit and the aquatics unit you know and the specialist projects unit and I think that's something really really good for our learners is that they are being taught by people that have been there done that you know got the penguin bite scars to prove it absolutely um yeah you can definitely tell a keeper apart by uh the war wounds they have from the years gone by now the second one I think you've already covered it but I will chuck the question out there just in case you have anything more to add and that is are students getting all the tools they need to become a keeper or is once again they're more needed I think it very much can depend on the student and what they are putting into it and what they are taking away from it but again it's who they're working with and who is teaching them it basically you know they're getting their information and I every college lecturer I speak to is so passionate about what they're doing and works really hard to keep those things up to date and I think it's really important that we're very honest with the learners about the industry my first lesson with them is you know what it takes to be a zookeeper or an accurist and all these skills that they need to have and I talk about things and I say to them I'm not here to try and put you off but what I am here to do is to be honest with you about the industry that you're going into because you will be working hard to get there you'll be working incredibly hard when you're in there you need to make sure it's the right step for you you know I even mentioned things like being physically fit which some of them groan about (laughs) and I think it's just part of the role you know you've got to think about that got to be organized and resilient because things will be tough and I think building those skills alongside the qualification is very important yes we have exams and assessments and assignments the learners have to do but also developing those those skills alongside you know if they send you an email and it's not very professional replying and saying you may want to rethink how you write this in the future because if you're communicating with people in the outside world this kind of email will not go down in a positive fashion one of the greatest lessons I was taught when I was learning is being proactive and learning how to deal with issues and you know my boss would always say to me if you have a problem come to me with two or three solutions to the problem and I'll help you discover which one is the best one rather than just coming in with an issue and I say that same thing to my learners if you have a problem fantastic come up with a couple of ways of, of how we could fix it first and then I will help you solve your problem I think problem solving skills and we're very reliant on Google nowadays to help solve problems and I think developing those those is really important so yeah just keep pushing those other skills alongside the qualification I think will really help the keepers of the future with that yeah very much so and you're making my life very easy on 
on this, Kate, because your your all your questions are starting to answer the other questions, which is glorious. But I am going to chuck at you that age-old question you've alluded to it earlier in this episode, and that is education or experience. What one's more valuable? You know, you, we've alluded to you know those trainee entry-level keepers. It does say two plus years at least, if not three years plus. But then, how do you get that? And it's it's the battle of what one is more more vital. What one should I be picking? And I'm sure you get asked that a lot at college level. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's a little bit of a cop out to say both, but I think both really have their value and their credit. I've worked with keepers that have got degrees and masters. I've worked with keepers that haven't. Neither is a better keeper because there's other things that make you a good keeper. But I think there's a lot to be said for both. And there are definitely things that some college courses and university courses won't teach you. There's definitely things that college and university courses teach you that were really beneficial for being a keeper that you might not learn necessarily elsewhere. You know, strong communication skills, strong English and math skills that get underestimated sometimes. Sometimes for my learners, if they're really taking those GCSEs, they say to me, oh, you know, I, I want to work with animals. I don't want to work with, you know, I don't want to deal with maths. I think, well, what about food quantities and weighing of animals and drug dosages? You know, it's all really important. And I think qualifications can help with that. Professional writing skills you know if you're going to go to a conference or a symposium and do a talk that can really be helping with that scientific papers and research I think those are great things that come through education and like I said before I would say yes if you can come out of college or come out of your GCSEs and go straight into zookeeping or wonderful but getting experiences if you can going along the way and I do find that something our learners struggle with especially if they're under 18 you know they often will the collections just won't take them because they're under 18 to gain that experience that's the difficulty for them because then they come out at 18 no one will take them because they, they haven't got those experiences yet so I would say if you can go into it fantastic but if not why not do education as well alongside it as the, as the plan to help you gain those skills and take that positively to get the job that you wanted to you know I worked really hard when I was at college university to do the volunteering alongside and the part-time job alongside and didn't really have a social life alongside of it because I knew that was where I wanted to go because I knew that both things were important and I also knew that animal keeping as much as I would love it would not be my forever job role either probably my body or mind would have given up or my all my bank balance would have given up first so having having things like that as a backup can be fantastic you know I was able to step into education because of the the qualifications that I had already I've done extra teaching teaching qualifications on top of what I've done so the college will support you and I think that's what's great about things like that is that moving into working in a college they can teach you how to be a teacher it's the other side of it that you bring to it it's your knowledge and your passion that you bring to it education is important too because that meant I could just step into that role when I was ready to do so so yeah roundabout the houses but both <laughs> both for different different but very important reasons I think yeah very much so it's uh, an age-old question which will keep coming up but I think very well answered there okay well done now the next one then is is looking more at the education solely side is there a, a course that you would recommend for you know anyone wanting to I, I guess progress themselves or, or come into the industry yeah so um not just because I am at Sparshall but obviously we do have we do have lots of choice at Sparshall and like I said we're the National Zookeeping Academy so we have different levels depending on what level you want to go into and I think that's a really positive thing about us as a college and colleges all over the country obviously offer, offer similar things but we have animal courses right from level one all the way up to um, I believe we're even offering kind of master's level and even PhD levels now which I think is fantastic. I think starting off the level three is a, is a great option you know we have to be in education nowadays till you're 18. I did A-levels that was 
horrible. I wish I could have done animal management when I was that age. And for us as well, in our second year, our level threes can pick a stream. And we have a zoo stream. So they do uh, an aquatics unit, a zoo unit, an avian unit. So it can be really nicely tailored. And I think that's a really beneficial thing to do. If you're the next level up, you know, a degree is an option. Or like I said already, the foundation degree that is the two years rather than three. Often they're a bit more practical, can give you a taster of it. And you can then do that pick and mix to get your full honours degree if you want to having that honours degree is a is a great kind of security blanket for going into other things if, if that's what you need as well um, or if you're not quite at the point where you're able to find the work at least you're doing something productive with the time and I fully appreciate that student life is hard and financially it's hard and student loan is hard but you know there, there are options there to support with that and then if you are able to get into it the keeping and obviously there's the DIMSA volunteer one as well, the keeper one. Um, there's an apprenticeships as well. So I think there's so many different options depending on what level you're, you're at. But I think if you're wanting to expand your knowledge or gain those extra qualifications or just help support you in your future goals, I think whatever level you want to go into, there, there's a big variety of options. But just talking to the colleges and just talking to the universities and making sure that it's the right choice for you and seeing what collections are around you. I think as well down here in the south, we've got so many collections on our doorstep we're very very lucky and making these links is, is really 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 beneficial so yeah lots of options depending on what stage of life and stage of education you're, you're at really yeah absolutely a really great answer and that leads us to the final question you're nearly there you've nearly battled your way through these big questions and that is you know we've alluded to it you've talked about it the the alternate role you know of lecturing what, what does it take what goes into it you know, what's it like to work in, in a college and university, you know, you've alluded to it. Unfortunately, you know, that time comes where you do need to analyze your, your life goals and you think about finances, you think about your body, both physically and mentally and so on. But I think we, we don't want to get it twisted. It isn't, it isn't somewhere to go as a last result. This is very much an alternate role. Uh, am I right, Kate? Yeah. And I think I've had it said to me and I've maybe even joked about it before and said that moving into lecturing is almost like the retirement home for, for keepers. But yeah, when I retire, I'm not doing anything like this I'm having hobbies I'm it's hard work a lot of the skills are very similar to keeping really having a very high level of patience I think is probably the number one thing that you'll need if you're going to move into education just because as well I think when we're animal people we want to spend all of our time around animals and maybe we haven't quite got those that love of people that comes with it and I always joke with my students that I now just work with a very interesting species of primate just a, you know a slightly different and sometimes challenging one all in, all in a very positive way and they, they really get that so I think patience it's a challenge and I think there's a lot of with the industry that we're in and the animal people that we we bring in there's obviously we have a very caring we have a very caring nature and our students have the same And I think this does lead to you know, a variety of mental health concerns that we obviously help and support our, our learners with as well so there's just lots of things that you have to be thinking about having really high standards is very important and I think that helps coming from industry particularly the industry we're from where everyone has worked very hard to get there and tries their best and has these high standards because you have to for the best of your animals so having those high standards in the classroom and high expectations only helps your learners when they go into industry or when they go into a job of any kind because they know what is going to be expected of them but like I said before going into lecturing they'll teach you how to be a teacher I've done my level three and my level five teaching qualifications while I've been at Sparshalt they will teach you how to be a teacher what they can't teach you is the passion that you will be bringing across to your learners the knowledge that you will be bringing with you that wealth of knowledge from the industry that is vitally important to get into these new trainees that are going into the industry and and that's at every level you know I'm obviously very much a level three teacher which is the equivalent of a levels 
but having that behind you I think I think is really really important but it does lead us to the end and I, I guess before we move on it just I don't want this to be almost a mic drop moment but I guess the biggest question is do, do you and it sounds like you're very well connected still which is great to hear do, do you still feel part of the industry do you feel moving across do you do you feel almost you're taking a side step or a step away or do you still feel part of it well I don't want to put words in your mouth over to you Kate how do you feel I still do feel part of it but I feel I'm only really part of it because I'm still working really hard to be a part of it I don't think it's just naturally happening I don't think it would naturally happen if you know the college wasn't good enough to send me to things like the Abwak Symposium um I was luckily enough they supported me on the Abwak Council for a while which was brilliant of, of Sparshall but when I went on maternity leave there was just too many things going on so I had so I had to drop that one unfortunately but they always support me on the Aquarian Working Group I think Sometimes we do feel like we've sidestepped and we do feel like we're out of the industry because we don't just get to have that sole passion of keeping or being an accurist anymore. We have to kind of balance these two job roles, keeping relevant with the industry while dealing with the high pressures of being of being a teacher, because it is high pressure. You know, it's it's that it's the same as keeping really too much to do and not enough time to do it. Yeah, I think it's it's like what I say to my students, it's what you get in is what you get out. And I'm trying very hard to to keep in touch with that but it's not something that is easily accessible I think as it used to be but it is lovely when you do go to things like the Abwax Symposium and you meet up with other college lecturers and you get to share everything and share all your knowledge and I think the zookeeping and aquarium community is is fantastic and I think the teaching community is also fantastic we're all very passionate people so when we all get together it's, it's brilliant because ultimately we all want the same thing and just because we're not actively working with animals anymore doesn't mean that that passion has disappeared we still all have that common ground so I think it's just becomes a bit more challenging almost to to stay involved and and still be part of the industry definitely work to be done but very much uh needed individuals like yourself still in this industry so absolutely now this does lead us to the end of the big questions you're happy to know we have finished we are on the final stretch and that is the quick fire rounds. Now, as we've all learned very quickly, keepers love to talk, as we assume with this episode alone, let alone all the others. Now, with that means these questions could explode. So let's give it a go and see how we get on. Um, number one is your favourite animal. It's always such a hard question, but I think my favourite animal will be a zebra shark. I don't know what it is about them. I just love them i just think that they're just beautiful animals i've managed and been lucky enough to work with a few in in my time and they're just just beautiful and really quite smart and i really enjoy doing training and things with them and i i love the difference between the baby and the adult colors as well i think that's such an interesting transition so yeah i'd have to say zebra shark is my favorite animal very good and very unique choice very very cool now number two then what is your top tip for mental health and well-being this is quite an interesting question because i think throughout my career mental health has been something that I've kind of thought about but has kind of been on the back burner this year well last December I had a baby so I went off of work for a while and obviously dealing with postpartum and being winter and dealing with that whole new life working with I think mental health has really kind of become more of the forefront of 
thought for me for, for this year and I'm sure lots of parents listening will feel this feel the same thing and it was that added pressure of not only do I want to be good at this job but this job but now I also have to be good as a parent as well and it's so much so much to take to take in and and like I've said already us being in that industry of, of caring I think that's what hurts us sometimes is that we care so much about everything and that brings us and makes us fantastic in the industry but it, but it's really a struggle so something that was really important for me was getting outside going for a walk I would promise myself and lovely coffee from the shop but I had to get out and I had to go and do it so every day January you know I'd wrap up wrap up my little one pop him in the buggy and I'd go for a walk and I'd pop a podcast on and it was just 20 minutes half an hour of just fresh air a bit of daylight funny podcast and treating yourself to a little coffee at the end and and it, it did wonders it did wonders for me even now if I don't get to go outside for a day because it's been a particularly busy day at work or something I really feel it so I think just getting outside seeing a bit of wildlife putting on a podcast that sometimes makes you laugh out loud and makes people look at you funny I think sometimes things like that can just really really help yeah really great answer exactly that now the next one then is really left field and that is what is your favorite film um I don't get to watch that that many films but as we're kind of recording around Christmas I was thinking about it and actually there is one film that I watch every single year and that is The Nightmare Before Christmas always watch it at some time between Halloween and Christmas and I've never really thought about it but I figured actually if I'm watching that every single year really like it I think I'd have to put that one as my as my number one kind of favorite film yeah good choice okay so what in your opinion is the best part of the industry I think it's the impact that we can have and that comes from both the keeping and the teaching industry I think it's the impact that we can have whether that's on animals or people it's the visitors that come to your collection it's the students that I'm working with it's it's the impact that that we can have I loved seeing the changes in animals when I was working with them and how they would develop and watching making their lives better and improving things and changing things up that impact was fantastic when you're talking to guests and teaching them about conservation and feeling that that had an impact and a positive impact for them but for your animals and now when I get you know students that have graduated still sending me messages saying oh I've I've just got an interview at this at this collection or I'm just doing you know I've just been done this placement here and that I I love that when ex-students message me and just tell me what they're up to I, I love it so much because you just feel like you've just had a positive impact on their on their day and on their lives and I think we sometimes forget that every little thing we're doing every little person we're coming to contact with we're having some sort of impact and whether you're having a really bad day you can't take that out on your animal or your visitor or your students because you don't know what impact that could have later on so I think the impact that we're having is is really positive absolutely okay the next one then could take you anywhere in this world and that is what zoo globally would you like to visit and why oh this is a very hard question and i think like a lot of your listeners probably every time i go on holiday somewhere it's always what zoo or aquarium is around me that i can go and visit um i was lucky enough a few years ago to get to go to la um get to go to california and we went to monterey bay and monterey bay is just an incredible place we went to Monterey Bay Aquarium which was brilliant but what I would really love to do is I'd really love to go to Georgia Aquarium and this is a really geeky answer but they have tanks that are big enough to have whale sharks in and I want to see what the filtration looks like on a tank that can hold a whale shark I really want to see how they are managing that tank and that water quality because I just think it would just be absolutely mind-blowing to see how a tank like that could be run okay so you've already done a few of these so it'll be interesting to know where you go with this one but that is if you weren't doing the role you're in today, what would you be doing? I think if I could, I would be back working in zoos or aquariums. I would be back working with the animals that I just loved loved working with. I think 
ultimately the situation wasn't long couldn't be long term for me with my changing goals my students ask me all the time why aren't you back why aren't you working in zoos or aquariums anymore and I'm, I'm honest with them generally about the reasons but I would love to just be back working with animals back in collections and yeah I love teaching and I absolutely wouldn't want to leave what I'm doing at the moment but I would love to go back. Yeah, absolutely. A really great answer. Okay, so the, the next one is a reflection of a previous question, and that is, what do you feel we still need to improve within the industry? I think there's a couple of things. Um, a lot of the people you've had on have mentioned a lot of things already, but I think two of the things is support for these newbies coming into the, to the industry. Sometimes I'll see students posting questions in Facebook groups, for example, and some people will be very supportive, but other people will just absolutely slate them or be really awful to them, actually. And I think they're just trying. And yes, they may not have come across in a particularly positive fashion, but that's our role to also help shape them and help them improve. And I think sometimes they're just so scared about asking or getting help. So I think supporting those newbies that are coming into the industry will only help benefit the industry in the long run when we start getting these people coming through uh, and my second thing about the industry is the support for flexible working for people returning to work after having children and this isn't all collections and there's variety but I know people from the industry that have had children have requested to come back part-time and been rejected for that and then they have they've left the industry and all that knowledge and experience is just you know with my future plans that's one of the reasons I left the industry was knowing about the support that would be there or the ability for doing my job well when I started my family so I think also support for parents and you know that that just because they've had children does not mean that their knowledge or experience has gone. They are still very valuable members of the team. And when you look at the age of, of people in collections, it can be you know due to those reasons. So I think definitely support for new people and support for people that are looking to be a bit more flexible because ultimately we're human and we're not just cogs in a machine. We're human with human needs. And yeah, I think putting that support in place would mean that a lot of the knowledge and things would be staying where it should rightly be within the industry. Yeah, really, really good answer. Now, we're moving on to the second to last question of this episode. It's a very hard hitting one. And that is within the industry, who is your idol? I don't have a, I don't have a single idol because I think every single person I've worked with has given me something incredibly positive i've taken skills um, and knowledge and uh, everybody that i've been lucky enough to work with there's just too many i really i've worked with so many fantastic people and they all have such incredible skills such incredible experience they've all taught me taught me a lot and that's both in keeping and working in in education now i think i've worked with some very strong leaders and i think that's really been beneficial as well so yeah i'm gonna cop out here but everybody 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 that i've worked with everyone that i've met you know even even you james you're meeting you and you doing this podcast alongside your job i think even that you know that is incredible so yeah every everybody within this industry is just fantastic and yeah when you're working with people just take what you can from everybody because there's and they'll be taking things from you as well absolutely absolutely i can see that that inner lecture inside you giving your speeches to your, your students exactly that format great to hear now we're on that last question we are so close but this is always the one which catches most of the the guest speakers out purely for the fact we love to talk, but I'm going to dial you all the way down to only three words to sum up this whole industry we work in. Uh, so impactful, challenging, 
but incredible yeah really really nice way to sum up this whole episode that does lead us to the end though thank you so so much for myself and the listeners for coming on kate been a pleasure and uh, it's been great hearing your story and hearing the world of a small amount of cats with a massive amount of aquatic life mixed into your your college life thank you very much thank you for having me well, hopefully we'll get you on again very soon take care bye and that concludes this week's episode what an amazing guest and an amazing time we had Now, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe on Instagram, Facebook or our podcast channels to Zookeeping 101. I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey, learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.